0: Let's dive into the world of drugs in Michigan. With widespread legalization of marijuana, psychedelic drugs are getting a second look to treat things like PTSD and depression. Tomorrow, the University of Michigan will host their first ever psychedelic symposium, bringing researchers from across the world to discuss the neuroscience, psychotherapy, and future of substances like psilocybin, that's magic mushrooms, MDMA, LSD, and ketamine. Hosting the event is U of M's Center for Consciousness Science, founded by Dr. George Mashore. Culture Shifts' Amanda LeClaire spoke with him about the center's mission and how studying consciousness may be a new frontier.
1: The Center for Consciousness Science was founded five years ago, so we're just celebrating our fifth anniversary. And the goal is is really to advance the science of consciousness across the translational spectrum. That means from the more discovery science end of research up to uh, clinical interventions. And we also have a very strong educational mission. We host a neuroscience graduate program course on the cognitive neuroscience of consciousness. Uh, we support conferences in the country and really across the world uh, that are focused on consciousness science, and we host our own symposium.
2: For people who may not be familiar with some of the uh, uh, science and the studies and things that have been done in this arena over the last couple decades, can you sort of describe where, overall, where the science is at as far as human consciousness goes?
1: Interestingly, for most of the 20th century, consciousness was really delegitimized as a scientific topic. Certainly in the academic setting, uh, nobody who wanted to be taken seriously uh, would uh, declare that they were going to be focused on the study of consciousness. Things started to change in the 80s, and then the field really started to coalesce. The modern instantiation of the field really started to coalesce in the mid-1990s. It's still a pretty small field, but it's very active, especially with the advent of neuroimaging, Uh, over the past decades, the ability to control um, neural circuits and probe contributors to consciousness. And there are several different approaches. One approach is to study what's referred to as the level of consciousness, so what changes when we go from being awake to asleep or anesthetized or in a coma. And the other uh, is focused on the content of consciousness. So assuming that I'm awake, why am I seeing, for example, a red triangle versus a blue circle? And we, at the University of Michigan, avail ourselves of a number of neuroimaging techniques and uh, electroencephalography of brain waves, as they're sometimes referred to, uh, to understand uh, what's changing in the brain when it's going through different levels or states of consciousness.
2: So, beginning uh, tomorrow, Thursday, September twelfth, you guys are going to be hosting the first ever psychedelic symposium to be held at the University of Michigan. Can you explain how psychedelic substances fit into what the Center for Consciousness Science does?
1: Wonderful question. Uh, I'm an anesthesiologist clinically, and I'm a neuroscientist, and we have primarily been looking at the way the brain changes across different levels of consciousness, using anesthetics as a tool. Where psychedelics fit in is that they help you probe not just the level of consciousness, but rather the content. So someone's still awake, and yet they have a radically different experience of the world. And trying to understand uh, the differences between the state of the brain during normal waking consciousness versus a waking state that includes a psychedelic experience can start to give us insight into what's really contributing um, to the construction of our perceptual reality. So, for example, the studies that have happened in the past four or five years using neuroimaging and looking at the way the brain communicates within itself uh, during the psychedelic state have been very informative uh, in terms of understanding um what might be contributing to consciousness and how actually the normal state of consciousness uh, is somewhat constrained.
2: Hey, We've seen uh, in the past couple of months, even the past year, uh, cities like Oakland, California and Denver, Colorado have have legalized psilocybin mushrooms. I think it's very exciting for a lot of people who are interested in these substances as a way to not only explore consciousness but also to to heal trauma. Can you talk a little bit to that about the, the the role that these things can play in helping people with, you know, severe PTSD or other therapy models aren't doing the job?
1: So that's another dimension of the, the current story in the 21st century, and it's uh, also a dimension of our symposium tomorrow, not just the neuroscience, but also the therapeutic potential. Uh, again, as a, an anesthesiologist and a neuroscientist, I've really been focused more on the Neurobiology uh, of these drugs. Um, And I haven't personally treated patients, but I do know that there has been um, really a re exploration. I don't want to say an exploration because this was common in the 50s and 60s in the early days um, of studying psychedelics, but there's been a re exploration of um, these drugs as a tool to combat psychiatric. Uh, issues such as depression, such as PTSD, and uh, there are interesting questions to answer in terms of what really is um, the therapeutic force. Is it having the drug in the brain uh, that helps somehow liberate um, you know, a, a certain functional configuration that might be causing depression, or is there something about the experience itself that helps individuals see new pathways uh, for their life.
2: Let's go back to the, the neuroscience a little bit since you can speak to that more. Uh, from my understanding, uh, substances like psilocybin and um, LSD, they change the prefrontal cortex, the blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, which has a significant uh, significant effect on consciousness. Is is that correct?
1: So There are a number of different changes. I think something that I would focus on is really the repertoire of activity in the brain, and the prefrontal cortex might play a role in that. So for example, putting aside drug-induced psychedelic experience and thinking about a dream state during REM sleep, for example, uh, which has similar kinds of qualities as a psychedelic experience in the waking state. The prefrontal cortex is deactivated during REM sleep, and that might allow a wider repertoire of activity to be happening in more posterior areas of the brain that are more involved in sensory experience as opposed to more cognitive or executive control in the front of the brain. So that repertoire also seems to be expanded during the psychedelic state, and there might be a connection to how the prefrontal cortex is normally keeping a. you know, a, a tighter rein, if you will, on the dynamics going on in the back of the brain.
2: I'm not sure how many, how many people really understand how little we know about how the brain works. Is consciousness science, is that the new frontier?
1: Well, I certainly think so. I mean, I think it's just such a fundamental question, uh, not just in academics, but in everyday life. When we wake up, we open our eyes, uh, and this world shows up for us. And so there's a a real existential dimension to this in addition to the profound scientific and clinical and philosophical dimensions. Um, I do think it's a a final frontier and it's uh, really amazing for as much as we learn there's still some really fundamental questions uh, that we're asking even about um, what are the brain correlates for consciousness let alone the causes that are driving conscious experience.
2: And I got to ask uh, yourself: Have you had experiences with psychedelics that have have changed your perception?
1: Interesting question. The answer is no, not not in the uh, in the recreational setting. I have been a part of a, a study here at the University of Michigan where I received a low dose of ketamine. Uh, ketamine is interesting because it was originally developed and actually really first studied here at the University of Michigan uh, as an anesthetic, but at lower doses it has some uh, very potent psychoactive effects. So I did have that experience um, in the course of a study here at the University of Michigan, which was quite interesting. And ketamine is a a very interesting story, again, because it has both anesthetic and psychedelic properties, and we've studied that in our lab. Uh, But it's also been discovered at lower doses uh, to have a very potent and rapid antidepressant effect
2: again the uh, first psychedelic symposium is going to be held Thursday September 12th at the University of Michigan was this difficult for you to get together to organize to to get approval for at the university
1: First and foremost we really have very legitimate scientific and medical interests this is really not about kind of the uh, the traditional countercultural uh, dimensions of um, psychedelic drugs. Uh, it doesn't really have any political or, or legal implications. We're really focused on the science. Uh, we're focused on the potential for medical therapy. And I think uh, this is becoming uh, more and more legitimized and perhaps one day will be mainstream. And other institutions, for example, Johns Hopkins just received – think about $17 million to start the Center for Psychedelic Research. So our um, our interests are really in the legitimate science and the cutting-edge medical therapy, and uh, our center is well-established and, and certainly um, has had a, a primary focus and considerable success in advancing the neurobiology of consciousness.
2: So before I let you go, for folks who may really you know not understand why this would be significant to to the science uh, of consciousness what would you you tell them
1: well i think we need to keep an open mind um and i think we on the scientific and medical side have uh, a real responsibility to be rigorous to be ensuring that we are careful about the claims uh, that we're careful about the methodology um, and that we are not on the kind of mission that happened in the late 60s that really took everything to a place where it could no longer be studied. So I think we need to keep open minds. We need to think about the present and the future rather than the troubled past, although we have to learn lessons from that past uh, in order to really be as responsible as we can in this current era.
0: That's Dr. George Mishore, founder of U of M's Center for Consciousness Science, speaking with Amanda LeClaire. Tomorrow, the center will host their first-ever Psychedelic Neuroscience and Therapy Symposium. You can find more info about that event over at WDET.org. You're listening to Culture Shift on 1019 WDET. I'm Ryan Patrick Hooper. Still ahead on the show, we've got some Jackson 5 for you. Going to dig into their 1973 album, Get It Together. And we've got an update with what's going on with the Detroit Youth Choir as they try to make it into the finals on America's Got Talent. That's all coming up here on Culture Shift. Stay tuned!